Good evening. Good evening, Rob. Hello, John. Uh, welcome back after a two-year hiatus. Is that welcome back to me or welcome back to our listeners? To you. Oh, okay. I've just. Oh, oh look at that. John, I mean to go on. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since our last podcast. Yeah. I've just been in the fridge looking for beer, and most of it is two years out of date. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to resort to this. Oh, whiskey. I've just finished one of those. Oh, yeah. Well, not just now. I mean, that would be madness. <laughs> so I've got a, uh, <clears throat> a can of double IPA, a hoppy, flavorful ale with a crisp, bitter finish. I mean, that sounds um, too hoppy for me. Kitty chose it because it's, it's purple, her favourite colour, and a lion on there. And it's um, it's an Audi craft ale. Okay. Uh, £1.50 a, a tin. Excellent. Always, I've, I've been going over all the old uh, podcasts. We'll, we'll get into that in a bit. But um, I do like a bargain, don't I? I think I'm, <laughs> I might be more northern than you are. <clears throat> hey. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you do like your little co-op pie or your oh dear whatever are you suffering now it's like drinking cat urine <laughs> so you're you're on the cheap <laughs> beer and i'm on the 45 quid bottle of whiskey nice uh welcome to north v south the podcast that is and isn't about design this is episode 101 we've lost an episode <laughs> we did record one didn't we last year um, we did and, and it was fine yeah, it was fine, but I um I messed it up. It was uh it was all jumbled up together, and we decided we were just going to skip one hundred. I may backfill that with a best of kind of an introduction to new okay. listeners as to uh, what yeah, we've nice. done. Might be nice. I quite like the idea of a missing episode, though. You know, in yeah. case this ever actually takes off, John, it'll <laughs> add to the the mystery and kudos. Well, you know, I've um I've built us a new website. You have, and it's brilliant. And I've made a pie chart. I went through every single episode, uh, noting down the scores we gave for pies and uh, the type of pie and what we were drinking with it. Which, yes, it did take me two days. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, you deserve a medal for that. I know. Why did I do that? I have no idea. But the whole essence of this podcast, and um, uh, if you've never listened to it before, is uh, we talk kind of designy esoteric stuff but we all know we always have a drink and a pie at the end of the show which we review um rob obviously is much more positive than i am <laughs> you're you're very negative with your scores aren't you john yeah uh, although you do you do seem to prefer positive integers uh, whole numbers yeah so uh, that's the premise of the show so basically what what is the premise of the show rob so we started because we missed each other a lot john didn't we so john and i used to work together and now we both freelance from our lonely little uh, garrets. And uh, we missed the chat <clears throat> that you get in an office when you're working with people that you get on with. So, um, so I, imagine, the- I, I imagine many of the people out there have had a nice two-year experience of what our <laughs> lives are like now. Uh, but this, that's what our lives are like all the time. And actually, we missed that sort of the chat that you have when you're uh, working in a design team. Well, some people, um, most people are just plugged into headphones and don't really talk much and just eat food at their desk and do all sorts of disgusting things like that. That's but, absolutely true. But Rob and I would actually get up from our desk and go for a walk at lunchtime. And uh, and this is kind of an extension of that chat. So we don't talk about design, not not 100%, but we talk about films and books and thoughts and ideas and you know that kind of stuff that you talk around uh, the subject of design and we've yeah we've been away a couple of years and we decided we really missed it so uh, we brought it back and apologies to you in advance for that (laughs) for bringing it back (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh. we used to do um topics didn't we um we may did we may bring that back but mainly we just talk about what's on our desk which is kind of either metaphorical or or actual. And then we talk a bit about news and then we normally have a website of the week. And that, that's about it, really. So let's kick that off, shall we? Shall I start? So what's on my desk? Well, I'm quite busy with illustration. I kind of haven't really done much for the last year. I've been helping my wife with her business 
predominantly. But um, this year's kicked off pretty busy, so I've got three three nice jobs on. Two of them sci-fi illustration jobs. One for uh, some illustrations for a podcast, um, an American podcast. Um, one is for concept, kind of concept art for a space uh, a space game, which is nice because I'm getting paid to draw spaceships. And that's pretty cool. And it makes me think more about how I draw and think about spaceships because I'm having to kind of do elevations and different views of them. So that's quite cool. It's also making me want to learn SketchUp or maybe Blender again, although every time I try that, it gives me a nosebleed. Um, and the other job I've got on is illustrations for a, a like a kind of role-playing combat. I don't really, see, I'm not a gamer, so I don't really know. It's a computer game, uh, and it's kind of Lovecraftian, and it's turn-based, and you kind of visit different places, and there's combat and stuff. So I'm doing lots of illustrations for that. So, so character like, illustrations. Like sort of XCOM-like. I've no idea. Turn-based. Oh, right, okay. No idea. I mean, I really am not a gamer. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jet Set Willy, that's kind of my... My era. Um, but that's really nice. It's nice to be doing, and I, I know, you know, people have come to me and asked me to illustrate things that I like drawing, which is always nice. You know, quite often you get someone who'll come to you and say, oh, I really like your work. Can you draw me this? And it's, you know, horses or, um, I don't know, characters for a kid's book. And it's like, well, it's nice that you like my work, but that's not really what I do. So it's nice to be working with people who like my work and want me to do more of it. So that is pretty much what's on my desk at the moment. And it's keeping me really busy. My light box has just broken, uh, which is a pain because I was doing one of the jobs completely traditionally. The other one I'm doing completely digitally. <laughs> don't know why, but um, that's the way it's worked out. So my light box is broken, so that's thrown me. Um, yeah. What about you? What you got keeping you busy? Well, I've just finished a, a website for a new client. I've actually known one of the chaps for a, you know a good thirty years, um, but they uh, they've just sent me a load of horror films that they oh. distribute. So they're a film distributor, and I took the job on because I had nothing else on, um, and I wasn't really taking much work on. Uh, I just thought, you know what, I've got to get back into it <laughs> again after uh, about. About eight months, I haven't really done any, yeah. you know, full time work um, because I've been at home with kid, and my wife's been catching up on all the her events, which have all sort of um, started happening after July. So she was away for a couple of months, so I just couldn't book any work in. Really, it was just impossible. Mm. Yeah, so I did that, and um, uh, it was quite. It was really good fun. Really nice people. Um, I had to use uh, WordPress, which I absolutely hate, and it still <laughs> remain still remains a hateful experience. But they were they wanted to use that. They were very you know they they had a competitor that they had seen that they wanted a um, uh, to use the same template that they'd used. Mm-hmm. So I was all, it was all sort of pinned out. I didn't really have to do a huge amount of design mm. to it. But it was really you know it was good fun just looking at. Um, looking at different horror films because cool. I, I love a horror film. Is it a particular kind of, kind of genre of horror? It doesn't seem to be. It seems to be like indie horror. So they've got a remake of a uh, Slumber Party Massacre, which Excellent. is a 1980s uh, VHS. Sounds straight very to VHS, much 1980s. And this is a, this is a remake, and it's uh, the strapline is You Know the Drill with a person uh, on the front with a large drill. Obviously and, brought out to uh, <laughs> to piggyback on the success of driller killer yeah perfect sleepover scary fun been doing all that that was quite good fun um uh actually my my desk i've i've started a new leaf uh not not necessarily a new year's uh, resolution but i'm trying to every monday i sit down and i've got a list to go through before i actually start any work which is clean the office clean all the paperwork, do all my accounts, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, and, cl- yep. and clean the desk. So I sit when, by the time I sit down at sort of, say, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, having done all of that, I'm ready for the week without, you know, being distracted. Nice. Uh, the distractions haven't stopped because I'm a magpie, and so mm. therefore I will pick the 
jobs I want to do and ignore the ones I don't want to do. But, um, but it definitely means that I'm much more focused. Um, so there's a, uh, yeah, so it's fairly tidy for once. Normally it's Ooh. absolutely covered in paper. Um, what else have I got? I've got a new camera. Uh, which I've been enjoying. Very nice. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a Panasonic S5. So I've gone to full frame. It's my last ditch attempt to try and take photos without using a camera phone. Um, And actually, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm hardly using the camera phone at all anymore. Uh, What else have I got? I've got two two magazines on my table, which I... um, I'm a big fan of that people might be interested in. Uh, they're both, they're both gaming magazines like uh, board games or role-playing games, but from a design perspective, they're really interesting and they come from opposite ends of the design sort of spectrum. One is called Senate. Uh, and I don't think I've mentioned it before on the show, but anyway, it's, um, it's called board games are beautiful is the strap line. It's a very nice uncoated for this month's is a, uh, silver foil cover and lovely it's, be- isn't it? it's really it's it's very design focused it's it's about the illustrators who work on the designs it's about the mechanic of the games it's uh yeah and this month is all about maps so uh you'd like it rob it's got some cracking i've actually got it sat next to me ah, right. uh, and i haven't had a chance to look through it yet so i'm really it looking smells, forward to having a read nice as well they're I'm great they're just it's, it's just a really beautifully produced and written and illustrated magazine as is the next one you're going to talk about yeah so this is weird science this is um again an indie magazine uh have you seen have you got these yeah yeah i've got that one all right okay i love the the, this is issue so issue one was actually called issue zero i think but this one um has got expert rules across the corner which is what yeah the advanced dnd had on its rule book with the same color but this is very different it's very um esoteric and wider wider ranging so it's more about the sort of the concepts behind why games are made role-playing games war games tabletop games again it's it is design focused but it's very very it's very different yeah they're a really nice pair of magazines to read about the subject aren't they yeah um and i know i tend to fixate on the, the gaming side but i think at the moment it really is attracting some incredible design and illustration yeah, that is absolutely you know if you look at like i'm gonna really upset loads of people here but if you look like you look at web design now it's become so boring and uh, formulaic and uh, stuck in a kind of a systemic style of design and i think it's just Mac- because it's matured hasn't it yeah, it's got to that point where it's kind of it, web design is almost like in middle age <laughs> it's wearing but, the same cardigan and the same comfy slippers i don't know but print magazine print design can still can it can still break the boundaries it can break rules it can do what it, it's, it's still very much got a, a punk aesthetic to it yeah that, um that websites have really lost you know that we went through that period but i think people like you say people expect the buttons to be in the right places you know all that kind of stuff and yeah, yeah they have to follow them um Whereas magazines can be just, you know, they can do what they like, really. Um, so, yeah, I've very much enjoyed having those uh, coming over the last couple of years. Yeah. I guess one of the things as well is those magazines, they're not appealing to mass market. So they're not having to appeal to everyone. You know, they're quite niche. I'm not saying they, they're not trying to appeal to people who aren't, you know, hardcore gamers. But I think that kind of slightly smaller audience allows them to be a bit more innovative and adventurous. Definitely. The other things, oh yeah, sort of media style. I started watching The Last Jewel um, at the weekend. Have you? I started watching that? The Last Last Jewel as well. Yeah, and I just ran out of like the will to live. <laughs> Do you know why it is? It's because you're a millennial who's only interested in his mobile phone. Is that right? Well, that's Ridley Scott's excuse for his oh, poor right. showing at the box office. Oh, not that it's really, really boring. <laughs> Well, it's been completely overlooked at the Oscars as well, hasn't it? Didn't it get one for hair and makeup or something? <laughs> really? It. That would be the worst thing. <laughs> I don't know. The hair. The hair something yeah. like, or maybe cinematography. Best I mullet. Um, yeah. I mean, the haircuts I, are astonishing, isn't it? Do you know what? I really love the idea of the... I didn't know anything about it before I started watching it. I love the premise of the story. And yeah, I was the quite three viewpoints. It, yeah. Um, but the problem is that all the three viewpoints are kind of very similar, like the way that it goes through in the film. And so I got 
halfway through the second one and I was like, I'm done. I'm kind of done with this for now. Mm. I, will, I will go back to it. Um, is it a beautifully shot? Not really. Does it feel, it's not, is it? No. Does it feel, um, apart from that, the opening scene when it sort of zooms in on the, uh, on the duel, mm. um, uh, it's kind of like a, a joust between the protagonists in, in the film. So it starts at the end of the film, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, then go, and then goes back and it tells the same story three times. But what I found about it was it was, tr- it was, tr- it was almost like it was a modern play or, or TV program. The kind of the conversations, the vernacular, it was just, it it's wasn't strange, isn't medieval, it? but which was quite refreshing. It was kind of game, you know, game of thrones almost. But yeah. It, the accents, I, the accents yep. were dreadful. I mean, just why have American accents? I don't I know. I know. I don't understand it at all either. The other thing, weirdly, the kind of vernacular I noticed in something completely different, but through me just the same, was in The Witcher, the Netflix series based on the books and computer games. There are a few characters in that that just talk in such kind of modern phrasing that it yeah. really takes me out of it. I can't, you know, it really throws me. And it, you, you kind of mentioned Game of Thrones, and I know there was lots of swearing in that, and it's, but I, I think they, the the kind of language used in that at least had the structure of something, you know, vaguely old fashioned. Yeah, you're you're right, but or or, or it was so um, uh, the characters spoke in a in a common language that mm. you felt like you know you were in a world that was that didn't jar but yeah but the but yeah the last duel didn't didn't work mm. out I actually, I actually finished game of thrones over uh lockdown because i'd never watched it um and I, yeah i really liked it the last three or four se- seasons i really enjoyed i found it a real slog halfway through um i watched the first three seasons i think or two or three seasons but i think the last episode i watched was the red wedding where all the starks get killed spoiler <laughs> And then I gave up, but I gave up because I'd read the books and thought, Jesus, if the TV series is anything like this, I don't want any part of it. Yeah. So talking of old TV shows, so I've, I'm now back on, I'm on The Wire, which is, I think. Uh, I've never seen it. Yeah. It's quite good. Yeah. Not what I thought it would be, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, I've read loads over lockdown. Um, at the moment, I'm going through Con Igledon's War of the Roses novels. I've just read his Julius Caesar books. Um, and if you kind of think Bernard Cornwall, yeah, it's like that. You know, he's literally copying and pasting names between books. <laughs> <laughs> but I, lo- I love all that historical nonsense. Yeah, so. uh, I haven't read a thing during the pandemic. It's really, really buggered up my reading. I think when it started, I was so fixated with doom scrolling through the news that I couldn't concentrate on anything. And it's just got me completely out of the habit. I think I've read one book in the last two years. Yeah. Well, you know, one um, one book of fiction. I think it was a Scalzi's last um, book. Yeah, but I haven't read a thing since. And I've tried. Oh, I've, I've read, actually, I tell a lie. I read uh, some Ted Chang, his latest book of short stories. It's well, other things you, completely. you were drawing a lot, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, since the last episode, I think I've produced a book, uh, and I'm drawing a lot, and I'm I've got a new project on the go called Insmouth, which I don't think we'd spoken about. Maybe we'd spoken about that on the no, I don't think episode. so. Tell tell us more about it because it's brilliant. I love it. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's a little kind of vaguely inspired by Lovecraft, hence the name. Um, story about a little strange, curious harbour town in New England. And uh, it's kind of split into two people, the fishers and the whalers. And they don't really get on and there's kind of rivalry. And, and it's all a bit weird. And then there's this huge, big, strange occult event. And the town of Innsmouth found itself transported from the coast of New England to the middle of the ocean somewhere completely unknown. So this started off because I was drawing lighthouses with tentacles and then I started drawing little boats and all sorts of stuff like that. 
Um, and it just became, I started thinking about, you know, what, what's going on in this town? What are the, why have these lighthouses got tentacles dangling from them? And it became um, a little idea in my head. And I wrote the first part of the story just as a Twitter thread, which was really fun because it's, you know, short and sharp. And it really allowed me to kind of manage the pace of the story. I mean, it only takes 10 or 15 minutes to read the whole thing. But I think it, it kind of does accelerate into this crazy, strange event that happens. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. So my plan now is I've done lots and lots of illustrations. I did 30, 40 illustrations as part of Inktober last year, kind of boats and people and lighthouses and different shop fronts and things on the island. So I'm going to put all that together in a little book um, and self-publish that um, soon because it's kind of written when all the illustrations are done. I just really need to finish putting it all together. Fantastic. So that was that was nice. So, so that kind of came on the back of the, the Weirdfield World book that I did, which obviously I've spoken about a lot on here, but that kind of went out, I think, Kind of after, I think, our oh, last episode. So, you know, eight, nine hundred, a thousand copies of that have been sold either through Kickstarter or through your store. So that's proved ridiculously successful. So there's book two of that is is in the works as well. So I haven't read any books, but I've kind of written one and a half. Yeah, that's more one and a half more books than I've written. Uh, just on a on a side note, if you uh, I discovered over again over lockdown of walking a lot in the countryside around here, mm. the BBC uh, Lovecraft Investigations podcast. Oh, so good. Um, if you haven't listened to them and you like a bit of Lovecraft, if you don't know what Lovecraft is, then think sort of slightly eerie, spooky tales of I don't know, not aliens, but. Uh, and they're not it's not horror is it well, it is know. horror but it's kind of ancient ancient incantations and books yeah, and, yeah it's magic with a k yeah but there's this kind of overtone of detectives over the top of it so there's they're you know there's done so brilliantly and these podcasts are done like a podcast they're done like a sort of uh, true crime you know the popular true crime podcasts that are around at the time the first one is the case of Charles Dexter Ward. So they're based on actual books or stories by H.P. Lovecraft. Um, but they're so brilliantly made. Um, and uh, I just, I mean, I could listen to them over and over again. They're, they are some of the best radio plays I've ever listened to. They're brilliant. Yeah. Really brilliant. So cleverly done. Yeah. And I think Rob's um, Innsmouth is going to be a similar kind of um, a sort of multi-layered uh, retelling of the Lovecraft tales, but you come at it from a completely different point. In fact, with the fact that you haven't actually read any Lovecraft. <laughs> Do you know, so, I fully intended to read Lovecraft. I, I came to Lovecraft as one of those kind of pop culture references that everyone knows a bit about, but I meant to read some Lovecraft and I ordered a book on all his complete works on Amazon and it came and it was like an oversized like self, you know, print on demand thing, but it was it was like A4 plus, so it was huge. It was like some academic tome. So it's I don't know, propping up a box of Gundam, I think, at the minute. So I never got read. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, that's why I say kind of my stuff is influenced by Lovecraft a bit because I haven't <laughs> read any. I love that. I think that. Um that often imagination is somewhat hemmed in by knowing the world's too much. I, I kind of have hopes for that with the Amazon, what Amazon are doing with Lord of the Rings. Mm. <laughs> I do hope that none of them have read any Lord of the Rings and that they just go off on their own and do something completely but it's different. It's such a strange idea, isn't it? Because they, they bought the rights basically to the name because they're not allowed to reference anything that Tolkien wrote about. So they're, they're limited. I mean, limited. They've got like a three thousand year gap that <laughs> that he didn't really write about. Yeah, and that's what they can play with. Yeah, it's I don't just, think it's. I don't it's know. Kind of strange. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they do it. I mean, um, 
uh, I know that um, Games Workshop they have the right they've had the rights for the Lord of the Rings uh, the movie kind of the models and stuff for a long mm. time and they have their own they have sort of uh, a battle game like a war game based on it. But well, I, used actually... to, I used to play the Middle Earth role playing game. Oh, okay. Back when I was a kid. So they, they've, but they, they've expanded, you know, so they've, they've created new characters and new, new uh, races mm. and all sorts of things. So they, they have done that quite successfully, but they have the benefit of being able to reference, you know, and build it around the existing yeah. world. But, you know, yeah, I guess like you've done with Dinsmouth, but you've sort of taken the whole, you've actually just ripped the whole rock out of <laughs> the <laughs> coast of Nantucket and hung it off of Yorkshire somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Is that allowed? Am I allowed to say that? Oh, yeah. You are. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Well, um, we we should talk about some news. Uh, what's been going on while was in, in the two years since we spoke with <laughs> each other? What's happened to I the mean, world, Rob? How do you? Where do you begin? I think we should start with. Uh, I mean, almost start. You almost have to start with like some sort of Billy Joel. We didn't start yeah. the fire. Like <laughs> list list of everything that's happened. I mean, it's just been crazy with Trump and the pandemic and lockdowns yeah i don't think insane. this is the show to uh no to, to kind of highlight those or to, or to go into those kind of things um definitely i felt i was thinking this morning and my wife just called me a doomsayer but i think this is the first time in human history that we're we're facing a double threat of not only destroying ourselves through idiocy but also the planet trying to kill us as well in a, mm. in a big big way because of our own fault um and it just feels like we're under we're at the end of civilization at some points. It just it is overwhelming, isn't it? Um, Was well, that that whole thing about you know may we live in interesting times? It's like I'd, I'd really rather not. No, it's uh, you know no one expects to live in these times. That you know it's the sort of thing that's described in textbooks, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly taken a toll on pretty much everyone I know in yeah. terms of their you know capacity to function as they did and focus and concentrate and don't know. Oh, I'm not I'm not sure if I if I kept it hang on a sec so I've got this little uh, ceramic egg uh, on my on my windowsill here it's and it's split but inside it I found the other day when I was cleaning it says it's a rolled up piece of paper and anybody who's got kids knows that they need leave notes every, any, everywhere but it, on it is written and inside it says dear whoever i am weighed down with worries about covid animals and the world help me to feel safer from no one hang on who wrote this kitty what i know have you got have have you booked her in for therapy (laughs) sweet jesus but this is how kids feel this is what it's doing to kids and when are you going to let her out from the cupboard under the stairs? <laughs> from the egg. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awful that our kids are just, you know, it's all filtering through to them. And, uh, is, and I must it? say that my daughter is the most balanced sort of grown up little girl that you could yeah. possibly want to meet. I mean, she really isn't emotional or, you know, fraught or anything, but that's, that's going through her little brain at the moment. And Blimey. Uh, so yeah, that's affecting everybody. Um, our industries just seem to be tearing themselves apart uh, with sort of fixating on things that have no meaning or. You're going to say it, aren't you? What you mean? Yeah. The fungibles. Oh dear God! Don't mention the fungibles. <laughs> <laughs> so since we've been away, we've uh, two main things have happened. One, the metaverse, <laughs> 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 and uh, and two NFTs. Neither of which solve or attempt to improve on humanity or solve problems that anybody knew we really needed. And I can't believe that we're having conversations about (laughs) such nonsense. Uh, To illustrate this point, I'm just going to bring up a tweet. Daniel Benoit Gray, friend of the show, I tweeted something about Alfa Romeo's new car comes with an NFT. (laughs) Of course it does. (laughs) If anything puts an end to NFTs, it'll be that nobody knows how to write about the bloody things. Absolute piles of godbloody goop. And I'll just read you the first thing. So this is from a website called Movie Artifacts. 
Explore and collect the first movie artifacts, NFTs. We're exclusively auctioning 40 original props of Snowden the movie. And you get the ultimate chance to own one or more for yourself. Every original prop is existent as a physical object in our safe room and as one unique digital NFT. Furthermore, we offer an exclusive set of NFTs as NFT collection to the 40 original film products. Finally, as a crowning conclusion, we will offer an exclusive experience, the Oliver Stone NFT, where the owner and an accompanying person will fly to Hollywood, they will meet Oliver Stone and watch Snowden together in the studio theatre. Afterwards, Oliver will take them out for dinner. I mean, what the hell? What? I mean, the people who are pushing NFTs don't even know what an NFT is. An NFT isn't dinner with a director. How, how, how do you attach dinner to a blockchain? I, do, I, I don't know. I mean, I assume your food has to be digital. <clears throat> so we're not going to explain what NFTs are. No, let's not. Go into because it. they're but bull. the art world is up in arms at the moment between people who are selling nfts and people who aren't and there's a big cancel kind of movement going on for anybody Mm. any artist who jumps on nfts and wants to make money um i i'm not a cancellor uh i think it's incredibly silly and means and is meaningless I i think the future of nfts is is not based in the art world and you know they're 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 definitely here to stay, and I can understand the benefit of them in some uses. Um, and that is mainly financial transactions, yeah. uh, maybe legal transactions. But I think the whole debate about it is ridiculous. Um, they're easy to copy. They are not individual. People are stealing them. People are making huge amounts of money out of them. But at the end of the day, they are meaningless. That's it. As soon as you try and attach something to NFT, you're only doing that to try and give that NFT meaning. Yeah. Someone the other day, an illustrator actually on Twitter, who I really like, said he was exploring, he was looking into NFTs. He didn't know much about it, but he was reading up on it because he said he saw it as an opportunity to give some value to things that were worthless. And by that, I think he actually meant, you know, work that he'd done that kind of only existed digitally not in the kind of grander sense of worthless but he kind of hit the nail on the head in regard to the whole art nft crypto art movement for me i don't know what to, i don't know what people think are they i imagine that the audience is split between i imagine quite a lot of illustrators are selling work on you know different i think i think the vast majority of illustrators are staying well away from it I think there's a lot of illustrators and I think particularly concept artists who've just got a huge kind of personal library of work that, or, you know, personal work that kind of they see no outlet for that are making good money off it. But the people who are making good money off it are the people who are already successful because, you know, they're, they're selling NFTs because people know who they are. Yeah, or it's people who are just have no talent whatsoever, who are just making loads of individual graphics with, I don't know, a frog a, or a, a, donut a board, or, a board yeah. ape. But doesn't that yeah. kind of doesn't that completely exemplify what NFTs are? Uh, i.e., like you say, worthless, throwaway, ephemera. Well, yeah, it, it does. But you know, we have to get to. We said we weren't going to describe what NFTs are, but one of the things that they are used for is currency speculation, you know, because of the way that the blockchain and cryptocurrencies, particularly proof of work currencies are structured. You know, the more they're used, the more they are used, the more valuable valuable they become. So if you sell something on your network for bit, however many Bitcoins or whatever, that makes it harder to mine the next Bitcoin, which makes the value of your currency go up. So, you know, one of the things you've seen is, you know, the the bigger sales of NFTs have been kind of bought and sold really just to kind of wash money around. You know, you've got the big one, which was Beeple, who, what did he sell his big artwork for? 50 million, know. 80 million, something stupid. But it was bought by someone who owned one of the, cryptocurrency exchanges 
And it's all just to kind of generate more currency. It's a Ponzi scheme. You know, I, I think that cryptocurrency or uh, the blockchain and NFTs have a life outside of absolutely uh, blockchain. Art and blockchain and F- NFT. I mean, you can imagine NFTs would be useful buying a house. Yeah, or anything where kind of funds have to be in you know, you know, kind of a middle market as as a, an exchange is happening. You know, uh, blockchain and NFTs can work. <clears throat> I would imagine in in that kind of scenario, but it's just trying to uh, attach something else to them that just doesn't make sense. I've got some good ones though. <laughs> my um my brother in law is a uh, currency dealer Mm -hmm. so he knows lots about lots about things like this and he sent me this one that has been released today that is or yesterday that is just brilliant it's called portacle which i think is a pun on protocol so it's a new currency that uh their their homepage is um connect invest engaged using the power of blockchain technology to create better lives for pets and pet owners sorry all over for the what? world. Sorry pets. for what? Pets. You can Blockchain create pets. Yeah. Okay. So connect. You get the portacle pet tag. Register your pet in our user-friendly app. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can create a digital identity for your pet. Lovely. And you can and you can connect with other pets and pet owners. That is amazing. Is that what you go to the park the, for? That's the first bet. The second bet. <laughs> NFT marketplace. Mint a unique NFT of your pet. I am so doing this. Collect limited edition NFTs. Virtually adopt animal shelters via NFT. Jesus. And then, hang on, third part, engage. There's a lot to this. Engage. They've created a cryptocurrency for to help dogs. It's called Dollar Uppy. UPI. They're not very good at puns or not, uh, they? play. I think it means puppy. Uh, I see. Yeah. You think um, English maybe isn't their first language? I think you're right. Um, you can earn UP by sharing your pet's data. You can buy toys, food, and more, and you can support animal shelters. So the all three of these things, uh, all three things are well above what we can do at the moment with our pets, aren't they? They are completely new things. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's impossible they... to impossible <laughs> to connect with other pet owners, isn't it? Well, one, you can't own a pet without registering it. No. Right? Two, I don't need a unique NFT of my pet. I have a pet. Where? Right? I mean, if you want something like, that's digital, get a Tamagotchi. <laughs> anyway, I suggest that everybody read their white paper of how they're going to transform... Um, pets transform is the word that is used most often with anything crypto or nft or blockchain yeah because it's people are forever wanting to transform something that exists already they want to make money out of it disrupt disrupt yeah but their solutions never never are they don't mean anything no so there's a great website you should go to um i don't know if you've seen this one called Web3 is going great.com. <laughs> no, I haven't, so, but that sounds right on my Web3, alley. Web3 has been uh, has been adopted by the crypto boys. Can you can you describe what Web3 is? It doesn't mean anything. It's just Excellent. Stop. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you're a bit younger than Web2, there were companies like um holiday companies, um pet food companies yeah. that built huge amounts of reserves and interest from investors. Um and then just blew up and went bust. I mean, I think the pet one was was a big problem because they realized once they'd launched that pet food weighs an enormous amount and they hadn't really calculated <laughs> how much it costs to send to send pet food. Um, um, so as soon as they attach pet food to the uh, to the blockchain, then they should... Exactly, that would solve food. it, wouldn't it? You just get an NFT of your pet food. <laughs> so Web3 is doing great. Is a, um, it's just a, a, a new a timeline, um, blog-like, that records uh, failures and launches from brands trying to get in on the, uh, the whole... Um, cryptocurrency world uh, and it's just I mean, a long line of disappointment i mean it's just ridiculous isn't it the, the first thing i've just clicked on the the link and the first thing is one of the things about these things is that they would be incomprehensible to anyone a few years ago 
So Samsung launches environmental sustainability-themed metaverse scavenger hunt where people plant virtual trees and earn NFTs. Oh, my God. <sighs> it is. It's tiring, isn't it? And yeah. Depressing. It's, but it's basically Farmville, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, yeah. So I don't think we're fans, um, but we will be monitoring monitoring it. Uh, I'm not I'm not banning it from my life because it's given yeah. me an enormous amount of amusement. Um, there's there is obviously the the uh, the environmental argument that it is creating absolute havoc in our in our planet with uh, mm. with using up energy and stuff. And uh, yeah, so for that reason, I'm out. No. Um, and I and I totally agree uh, agree about that. And I think that will be solved in time. But I don't know why it's being solved for these these ridiculous reasons. Yeah. It's not even interesting. I don't even know why it's I'm talking. Not, about. Is it? It's so boring. Yeah. None of the art's good. No. Well, maybe maybe like one percent of the art is good. No, no. I mean, as in like the uh, the sort of the three D. Um, oh, metaverse world sort of thing. Oh, so that God, takes yeah. us on to the metaverse. So the reason that everybody, well, I'm sure everyone's aware of um, Facebook rebranding as Meta. Um, I'm sure it didn't coincide with their first drop-in uh, user numbers in, uh, however, since they were since they started. I'm, I'm sure mm. it's not connected to that at all. Um, and the fact that they've jumped on something that's a bit of a zeitgeisty word, as it were, in terms of the metaverse uh, moving humanity onto a onto a virtual platform um but the whole thing again reeks of just absolute bs it's it's utter utter nonsense it's boring it's never going to catch on vr is never going to catch on um until it transforms itself into something that is out of a headset not expensive mm. not disorienting um you know, is universal like a television or a radio or a book. It's never, ever going to work. And I think that, you know, uh, Zuckerberg has seen the writing on the wall and the writing on the wall is it's the beginning of the end for Facebook, I think. Could well be. I mean, it recorded the biggest ever loss in value of any company in history, didn't it, this week? Yeah. Well, there you see. I mean, it, it's not just the crypto world that is um, – that is liable to huge fluctuations in value. It's just that they're more, they, you know, they've got a lot more individuals riding on them. But I think, you know, the Facebook, what did they lose? Like 230 two- billion. <laughs> it doesn't even mean anything, does it? <laughs> no. I mean, all these companies are so overvalued. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, what is it? Like, it's literally a site you go on and look at shit photos. It does nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely baffling. It, it really the, well, well, the, the one thing they the reason they took that huge hit is they admitted that Apple's new privacy policies yeah is affecting its advertising model to the tune of upwards of 10 billion a year and that's why they lost all this money which just shows you how awful their kind of uh, privacy and data management is now yeah so I, I I've linked to and I'll put it in the show notes, but there's a great article by Keza McDonald, who's actually a really a really good games writer. She writes for the Guardian, but she's also I think she writes for Shut Up Sit Down as well. But anyway, she was talking about um, I've seen the metaverse and I don't want it. <laughs> and she is somebody who absolutely embraces all of that digital claptrap. But um, it it just looks like what was that thing? Uh, is it Second Life? Second Life. It's just that's it, isn't it? It's it is, yeah. So um, on it's the second beach- life, it's second life, but more boring because it's second life for meetings. Yeah, on is it BBC <laughs> Bite Size? I think their their weekly uh, mm. technology program that um, well used to be hosted by Rory Kethlin Jones. Yeah, and they were just complaining the women that were presenting it. Both of them had issues straight straight off the bat of being. Um, felt threatened and um being um sexualized and having nasty messages sent to them within you know 10 minutes of being well, in the message did you see this week facebook on they've meta added, yeah they've added a uh, like a six meter so, privacy zone around so this your is avatar. their solution so this is their solution you can't Just get near people. absolutely insane 
Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that, you know, the government will uh, adhere to a two meter rule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Having to sellotape up like things that obviously haven't been thought about because that's all, you know. I think one of the problems with these things, and I think it goes for uh, a lot of social media like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, a lot of the people who are making the changes from the top down are not people who use it. Yeah. You know, if you look at the changes to social media and, you know, just small things like, you know, how tweet conversations are represented or how you react to something, it's like no one who uses this platform would ever want that. And it's because they're driven by, you know, economics and advertising and money, not by what's what what the people want. Or innovation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's should we part that? Are you done? Yes. Oh man, I'm so anything? Done. I know. So Sorry, done. I didn't want you to go down that hole, but we haven't okay. spoken about the C19 at all. So let's carry on. Um, this is left over. This is an old note, but um, I just thought this was lovely. Um, the Braille Institute uh, have made a font based upon the ultimate readability for their. Um, uh, subscribers and people working in the organization and they're giving it away for free so if you go to brailleinstitute.org forward slash free font they have a font there which they've named after their uh, i think it's named after their founder if i remember um and um yeah it's called atkinson and uh it's free to use um and i you know if you're doing um uh, charity facing stuff or educational then why not download and use it um, that's such a cool idea isn't it but it's a sans serif um font without any kind of embellishment but it's not like an ocr font it, it, it's no um, i like that it's not monospaced either is it no. i like the way that it explains it that well demonstrates its legibility which is to blur it um which kind of obviously replicates uh how people with limited uh uh, eyesight might see it and it's still you know recognizable and distinguishable and you know it's it's really clever yeah and it's a free font that isn't ripped off or pirated <clears throat> or anything yeah. like that and it's a really good, good good organization yeah um, right what's your news rob you got any well actually kind of this is a kind of a, a mix between news and what's on my desk i'm going to iceland <gasps> i've wanted to go to iceland for so long um, my mum's been to Iceland. My parents have been to Iceland as well. That's a joke. <sighs> <laughs> um, uh, so I decided I was going to go to Iceland. We, we had a, it's like a two or three week window in May. So I said, I'm going to go for two weeks to Iceland. I'm going to hire a car. I'm going to drive around it on my own. It's going to be brilliant. I told my parents... And it's still going to be brilliant, but my mum was so worried about me going away on my own, even though I'm 48 years old, that my dad is now coming with me. Amazing. <laughs> so me and my dad, who's 75, are going to hire a car and drive around Iceland for a fortnight. And I can't wait. That sounds brilliant. And I'm going to buy a drone. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. <laughs> to do uh, some of your moody shots. Yeah. Are you, well, are you going to find think... an elf or a troll? or At least. One of each. Uh, How exciting. Yeah, I really can't wait. Uh, but also so, a road trip with your dad, isn't that I cool? know, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I kind of thought, when you know, when I was talking about doing it with him, I thought, I th- well, I kind of, my only reservation really was was the fact that I'd, I was quite excited about the thought of an adventure on my own. Mm-hmm. And the fact that doing it on your own makes it more of an adventure. But actually, the opportunity to spend two weeks with my dad is just, you know, you can't pass that up. No, especially after the big gap that we've had between family members. Yeah. We're of an age where our parents are getting older or exactly, sadly no longer with us. Yeah, and to spend time with someone you love and that is going to be an amazingly unforgettable experience know, is wonderful, right? It is. I'm so excited about it. I'm more excited about it now that my dad's coming than I was at the thought of doing it on my own. It's just going to be a laugh. Brilliant. 
Yeah. Well, I hope you have a great time. Thank you. So that's kind um, of my news. That's my news. That's your news. Well, that's what, you know, you're busy with work and planning. All I'm doing is scrolling. Uh, <laughs> so my other thing was, um, uh, I've written a note on it, was what in the emperor's name is this? If you are a Warhammer 40k fan like I am, there is now a Monopoly version of Warhammer 40k coming out. Oh, that's so cool. Forget about uh, any streets or anything. We're going to blow it all up. It's 47, it's like 50 quid Monopoly now. Well, that's that probably, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, that's right. Really I think cool, that though. would be hilarious bringing out, rolling out a Warhammer 40k with Space Marines, etc., etc. Um, so there's that coming out. Uh, there's, I don't know if we spoke about this book before. I did hunt through our notes and I couldn't see anything. And there's a book called Typeset in the Future. And uh, it's based on a website that I'm pretty sure we have spoken We've about. We've definitely talked about the website. But it's now a book. And I didn't, hmm. I missed all this. So you can get a book. And it's basically a book about typefaces in movies, um, predominantly sci fi. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, so what are the books? What are the films? 2001. Alien, Star Trek, Blade Runner, Total Recall, Wally, and Moon, and uh, it goes through in depth, uh, looking at the signage and the graphics, and uh, even sort of video footage inside the film. So, for example, like computer screens and um, UI and UX. It's really very cool, but funny. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I used it recently. I wonder if we use his website. It was on the Alien website. I don't know why. Uh, I think we were talking about something, Rob, and I mm-hmm. can't remember what it was. But anyway, yeah, it, he has got everything in there. So, um, yeah, go on to his site. It's type, type set in the future, all one word, dot com, and uh, go and buy the book. It's by Dave Addy. Which just looks fantastic. Speaking of type in the future or type in sci-fi, why does Star Wars not have any type in it? You've got the occasional sim, but you've got the logos of kind of the Empire and the the Rebel Alliance in the original film as, you know, kind of helmet decals and things. But there's no, you know, Mos Eisley, there's no kind of storefronts. Uh, you know, there's no kind of graphics. And I think that kind of, through all the original trilogy, that just, there are no... There's no, there's no, um, there's no sort of subculture. There's no yeah. uh, lowbrow culture going. Yeah, in. you know, I no mean, that's, they tried to, they tried to bring it in with with some of the kind of more recent stuff, like the book of Boba Fett's got graffiti and things in it. But there's still no, you know, there's no signs that say, you know, Jabba the Hutt's pawn yeah, shop. Do you know why, Rob? Because it's a meaningless universe that has no backstory to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm beginning to think you're right, having just watched the book of Boba Fett. Oh, is it not good? Oh, oh, John. I'm not a fan of Boba Fett or Boba Fett. Or well, there's no point. I mean, he was oh, a dead, mine. Isn't he? Did he go mine? down into a... This, okay, spoilers for the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Turn off now. He's a minor <laughs> character who looked really cool. That's it. He didn't do anything in the original films. Not except, even his model did anything, except, apart from no. apparently, you know, it was glued in, the rocket. yeah. yeah. If you've got one of the ones that isn't glued in, that's yeah, then, a you know, yeah, put it, put it uh, on. But he did nothing the in the original chain. films, had a cult following, and now they've revived him for the Mandalorian and, and the Book of Boba Fett. And it's the most, the Book of Boba Fett is the most pointless TV series I've ever seen. And oh. I've watched Love Island. Oh. I mean, it is, it is appalling. It is fan service. It is, it is bad Star Wars. It is bad everything. I was angry when I finished watching it today. Oh, Although dear. obviously I did watch. You've been quite angry episodes. all day. I've seen I on have, social media. Been You've been really so, What's so angry. I don't What's know. My wife's ever? been taking the Mickey out of me because I've been so angry today. Oh, I, but uh, to be honest, I think I think that's the book of Boba Fett's fault. I think right, okay. I watched it when yeah. I got up. I think I it just set me off on the wrong foot. Um, let's go to from the ridiculous <laughs> to the sublime and say R.I.P. as we normally do. Well, there's quite a few people who have passed since um, we last spoke. But let's talk about Doug Trumbull. Uh, who yeah. really did um, put typefaces into uh, into his work? He put the most amazing visual effects into his work, and mm. um, I 
weirdly, he, his film, and again, I think I, I, I always say this in this stupid show, The uh, I think I've spoken about this before because I'm a stuck record, but um, <laughs> this film I saw as a kid on, you know, on TV once and I thought it was the most amazing thing uh, that I'm talking about silent running here. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what it was called because I didn't get the beginning of it. You know, like how it was back in the seventies and eighties when you saw films and you were like, and I, and I kind of thought, was it a com, you know, was it a conflation in my brain of like a mix of uh, Disney's black hole and star Wars and, you know, all those kind of films. And had I just made it up? And then I was talking to, and I'm going to name drop here, but it was Ollie Moss. I was out for a drink with him and Ali once, years and years ago. Um, and I described this film and he was like, oh, that's silent running. And it's one of his, Ollie mm. Moss, you know, he's like Mr. Culture, isn't he? He, yeah. uh, he knew exactly who he was, what the film was. And he gave me the name and I went and I bought it uh, immediately. And, uh, and I watched it and it is just an amazing film. It's kind of this, ultra hippie sci-fi trip into i don't know what it is it's like a cowboy environmental film <laughs> it's, it's quite uh, good that's quite a good description um, but it's um it's just the sets are incredible apparently it was filmed on a, a decommissioned aircraft carrier from the korean war really just before it was broken up yeah oh wow so all the interiors are very uh, there's all these grills and everything but they've built um because well you, you know the premise of the film but mm. then they're carrying the last of the forests out into space to preserve yeah. them, allegedly. Yeah, my 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 parting thing is, whatever happened to Dewey? I know, I know. That'll be a good story to explore. It would, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, Douglas Trumbull, Blade Runner, Close Encounters. You know, lots of other amazing films. And Drawn by the Strain. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, it was. Did they make sequels to it? Weirdly, the, I, I remember seeing that as a kid, and the only version I could find looked like it had been recorded off the telly. It's still it's blown it out, isn't it? There's awful. lots of blown out highlights. And, yeah, really yeah. bad, almost unwatchable. But um, but yeah, well, sad sad to see him gone. So we've had over an hour now. Um, I'm going to finish on some design news. Okay. <laughs> so Adobe are dropping Pantone support in their new updates it's the other way around though isn't it yeah well pantone are starting to charge for Mm. having their colors um i imagine this isn't going to affect an awful lot of users of um adobe's um applications these days no Um, and i think that most people who are using print would just make up their own pantone colors you know, for the Pantones they're going to use because exactly. we You're can't just gonna... afford to use Pantones anymore. <laughs> You're just going <laughs> to hope for, the, hope for the best a little bit, can't you? Get pro, get proofs. But um, it, yeah. was call, it caused a right old stink. Well, it is bizarre. I mean, it obviously is some licensing disagreement about, you know, who's paying who for what. Um, but Pantone have been a part of the Adobe system for as long as I've been using it. Um. And it, obviously, it's been incredibly useful working in professional graphic design. But yeah, I don't use it anymore. It's not going to bother me one bit. And a lot of people who use, you know, who were only using Adobe stuff, for, you know, online or web stuff or content creation, it's not going to. They're not even going to bat an eyelid. They probably don't even know what Pantone is. No, it's probably just a nice series of swatches. I mean, exactly. I never, we never really worked in a in a Pantone system in terms of mixing colors for it. We just mm-hmm. used to use it as a reference, you know, a jumping yeah, yeah. Off point. But um, but yeah, it's caused a right brouhaha. Um, so off the tools these days, uh, I find that my business is more about consultancy. It's really about helping people. I do very little design now. Um, which is probably, you know, a benefit for the world, I guess. But um, yeah, <laughs> but, nonsense. Uh, but uh, I think that um, I just seem to be off the tools. I don't know if other people are. I just don't design much anymore. It doesn't seem to be the value in my business. Is is not about creating logos and assets and stuff. It's it's about you know implementing them. Mm. Like you say, content creation. Major. Um, I'll quickly jump in with my website of the week. Oh yeah, because it's the website of the month, really. Which is Wordle. Are you Wordling? Yes. 
I am actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like it's, it. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, if you haven't wordled uh, and you haven't seen the TV program uh, Lingo, it's a little word puzzle game uh, where you have to guess a five-letter word. If you get the letter right in the right place, it comes up green. Right letter, wrong place, comes up yellow, and you have six attempts to guess the word. And that's it. One word a day. Really simple and completely free for the moment. Yeah. Um, but it's taking the world by storm, hasn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's a guy fr- from Wales, is it? A Welsh I think guy? so. He's an yeah. American guy, isn't he, I think. Is he American? I is think that so. why the spellings are all American? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you so. know, fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's really good fun. I, my wife and I are doing it. We, I, lo- I love a crossword, so um, mm. it's my kind of. It's right up my alley. And uh, he's made well seven figure. Is it? Well, yeah, look, I want to know what low seven figures is. Is that like one point one million, or is it like four point nine? Oh, I don't know. Because that's how much he sold it to the New York Times for. So it'll soon be behind a paywall, I'm sure. But never mind. Yeah. It was nice while it lasted. Weren't, weren't we all, Rob? <laughs> so my, my website of the week is itch.io. Uh, itch.io. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of this, Rob, being, yes. not being a big gamer. But uh, um, they, had a big, they had a good tweet uh, this week with a big kind of, we will never be selling NFTs or yes. attaching NFTs, and, um, and then finished with a piece, which was a nice thing. But I've got two games on that. Um, and they're not video games. They're actually uh, s- sort of uh, solo RPGs, as it were. Okay. Um, so there's a whole new genre of um, games where people are making beautiful print po- products. So the first one here is a thousand-year-old vampire. And if you buy the original of it, I think it's quite. It's about fifty dollars. Um, but it's on one of those old journals. Um, and in the journal is a whole history of the vampire and you play as a thousand year old vampire. Um, uh, and kind of the way you play them is sometimes with dice, sometimes not sometimes drawing, um, sometimes writing journals and you basically just follow a story. Um, and the one that is, uh, there's two games by a guy, um, called Jack Harrison, whose company's called Mousehole press. And they're just, really near me in Southampton. Okay. So he's got a new game coming out called a uh, bucket of bolts or some, something like that. Um, but his original game is called artifact and this is his, uh, it's an amazing idea. So he's taken, he says that you are the, your role is a legendary item. So you might be a spell book <laughs> or a sword or a potion and you go through ownership through multiple heroes and you have to write your history. So you write oh, a cool. story and you write what's happened to you and uh, what you look like and where you That's are now. such an original idea. Isn't it brilliant? So And so he's moved that onto a space theme now, which he's kickstarted and is being released very soon, We're waiting for the print on it, um, which is based around an old spaceship, sort of like an old... Um, like a trading vessel that again goes that goes through multiple ownerships. So as the spaceship gets older, it gets upgraded or bits fall off it and you've got to write the backstory and draw it. So it's kind of like a, a solo. I I love it already. Yeah. Um, so it's encouraging writing, imagination, drawing, um, but all what a cool idea. gaming thing and so itchio promote things like this and some of these are like a thousand year old vampire if uh you can buy it which is it's only like 10 quid uh which is a downloadable pdf um or you can download a free version of it uh, he's put up i don't know 1500 copies of that so if you've got a charity or an, you know a, a game a school running games night you can just download it for free but um i'd encourage you to give him some money because of yeah. the amount of effort that's gone into it but um yeah a whole new whole new world of of games and nft free guaranteed beautiful speaking of beautiful what's Rob, your pie job i've got an aldi steak pie it's got new written on it um so it isn't the one that you've had before which was steak and ale right? uh. It's a, a pie for one. It's slightly pinched in at the top. It's got a crumb on it, which they say, they say is a 
Time Crumb. I don't know, that sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? But <laughs> what have you got, Rob? I've got a Marks and Spencer's Our Best Ever Steak and Ale Pie. Oh, yeah. Um, well, let's I'll go be ahead. honest, it looks a little dry. In terms of, like, the grave, no gravy. Yeah, zero gravy. No, my, mine's mine's the same. It's very little. It's got, like, a, a stew in it. The, the beef looks great. It's tasty enough, mm. and it's nice and tender meat. Yeah, this is super tender, very sweet, and, and it's got a lot of bacon in it. The dog, the dogs have activated, so <laughs> there, must, there must be real meat inside. Yeah. Now this could just do with a little more moisture. The pastry is like a flaky puff. Mm. Same here, and it's good. Yeah, this is quite good. It doesn't taste awful. Slightly it's almost just, as good as things gets for you, isn't it? It doesn't gelatinous. taste awful. <laughs> yeah, the gravy is a bit too gelatinous, but the beef actually is really good. It's like a really well cooked stew. Yeah, no okay. good pies. Yeah, smoky. I'm going to give that a seven. Mine's going to get a round eight. Whoa, that's a big tasty. Yeah, a seven's very generous, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> For you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that. That's that, episode 101. We did it. We're back. And that was thoroughly enjoyable. It was. It was good fun. I hope that makes some sense to people. I will try and uh, cut that into some kind of semblance of sense. Best Um, of luck. What are you up to this weekend? I've got another couple of days of being chained to my desk, getting these projects, kind of the next stage of them done. Um, So that's it, really. And then if the weather's good at the weekend, maybe I will get out with my camera. I think because I haven't. Uh, I was up in York a couple of weeks ago, which was lovely, but I haven't been out of my camera since. Oh, that's the dog whining. They want the pie. So here's dog <laughs> number one. Oh, hey, this, dog, this dog has arrived since we last recorded. I think. Had we, yeah, maybe. Maybe. So this is this is. Hey, boo. This is Boudica. She is a Lancashire healer, and she is really naughty, aren't you? She's very licky. Very licky. She's oh, licky lie. Adorable. She She's a very pretty dog. And where's Rafi? Come on, Rafi, come, come and say hello to Rob. <laughs> and here's Ralphie Roo. Hey, Ralph. How you doing, fella? And he wants the pie. <laughs> so you get that. Um, so yeah, no, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's my birthday this weekend, Rob. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, what am I doing? Well, I was going to see a friend had booked book some tickets to Lloyd Cole, uh, who's nice. playing in the UK. But um, he's um, he. Apparently he rearranged last March, and my, oh. mate, my mate Eddie didn't realise. So we're now going in April. Um, <laughs> not that, to be fair to him, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it. So Friday, I'm going down to the in-laws. We're going to a new pizza place down in uh, nice. Portsea, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. near Portsmouth. Um, so I'm going to ride down there on my bicycle because um, I've been doing loads of riding recently. And uh, and then on Sunday, I'm going for Sunday lunch uh, in a nice country pub that sounds Uh, delightful yeah um and i shall try and just drink as much beer and wine as i possibly can you do that good luck with that (laughs) (laughs) well it's been a joy john it's been uh it's been good to uh be back on the podcast yeah hopefully next we'll be back next week i'm oh i'm going away on holiday so just to ruin things going in half term so week after next i'm going to tenerife to see my uncle so oh, very um, nice. I haven't seen him for 10 years or so. So oh, that'd be, be nice. cool. Yeah. No, not 10 years. That's ridiculous. Maybe five years. And uh, yeah, so um, we may record next week. We may record week after after. Cool. So, well, um, take anyway. a trip up a volcano for me. I will. Have a nice evening. Rest you too. Time. All right. Cheerio. Cheerio mate. Bye. Bye-bye.